Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new Redefining Cybersecurity Podcast with Sean Martin. Have you ever thought that we're selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Well, perhaps we are. Let's look at how we can organize a successful information security program that integrates business culture with people, process, and technology to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. Pentera, the leader in automation security validation, allows organizations to continuously test the integrity of all cybersecurity layers by emulating real-world attacks at scale to pinpoint the exploitable vulnerabilities and prioritize remediation towards business impact. Learn more at pentera.io. Everybody, this is Sean Martin. You're very welcome to a new episode of Redefining Cybersecurity here on ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. And uh, as you know from listening to the show, I try to figure out how to operationalize security, which seems to become more difficult every day. And uh, I'm not sure how CISOs do it and the practitioners stay above water, uh, but somehow they do for the most part. And uh, and when when they figure that out, I feel it's important to give back some of that knowledge to the community. And to be honest, there isn't anybody that I can think of that does more of that than my guest today, Gary Hayslip. Gary, good to have you on. Well, thank you. Uh, it's been a while and I'm really happy to be here. Uh, it's a pleasure to see you again, my friend, and uh, glad you're well. And today we're going to talk about thought leadership and and kind of sharing sharing our learnings with others and the value of that both personally and, and to the community. And uh, yeah, as I was alluding to, uh, it's an important part of, of our process, right? Continuous learning and, and applying those learnings to our own situations and our own programs. Um, for those who haven't met you yet, Gary, maybe a few words about some of the things you've done. Um, San Diego, prior to San Diego, up to your uh, your role at SoftBank now, just kind of kind of set the stage for folks of who you are yeah, and what you're, I, what you're about. Yeah, I, uh, I said I've been in cyber and IT uh, for years. Um, you know, the um, I don't like to go ahead and say the date because then I'm like, whoa, it's actually been there quite long. Um, it's just you know I you know did a, a whole tour, active duty military, uh, retired from I was with the U.S. Navy. Um, retired from the Navy and worked for the federal government for a number of years, you know, as a CISO for the U.S. Navy. Um, and then, you know, was the first CISO for the city of San Diego, and uh, which was really interesting. Massive city, smart city projects. Um, I think that's where I met you, uh, Sean, for the first time when I was there. Um, and then I decided to go ahead and do something different and jump in the private industry. And so for a number of years, I was the CISO for WebRoot Software. And so they gave me a chance to see what it was like to work with sales and marketing and the product teams and still run cybersecurity and do, you know, IT as well. Um, and then, you know, the company got acquired, you know, so 
first time they actually see what it was like to get acquired and go through the acquisition and you know and to help with all of that and and as that wrapped up um softbank you know the vision fund um was picking up steam and they were growing exponentially from you know 50 people to 500 people in less than 12 months and and you know the they needed a system you know and um, the new cio that they had hired um was looking for somebody like me that could do four or five different types of jobs and somebody that wasn't afraid to you know, get involved with startups and work with audit and, and build a security team. And he had a whole really interesting idea of going 100% SaaS, nothing on-prem. And, you know, and I was intrigued to how I would build a security stack for that and be able to manage the risk. And that was about four and a half years ago. It's been a fun ride. It's been really, really interesting. And I think that's probably a story into itself, <laughs> yeah. that, that, oh, yeah. whole, that whole journey, because what it looks like today certainly doesn't look like what it did four and a half years ago. Yeah. And, and then, you know, in terms of what yeah. was possible. So, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, and then as you mentioned, in the, in our community, um, I've helped uh, co-author several books, you know, the CISO Desk Reference Guide series. And, and then I've written, you know, cybersecurity books for small businesses. And we wrote an executive primer that's actually for like the CEO and the CFO to kind of help them explain to them Hey, this is how you work with the security team, and this is what a CISO does, and and stuff. And um, and then on LinkedIn, I published probably about 120 articles of different things I had to do stuff, and uh, it's just really big and you know creating content and figuring out ways to help people. Yeah, I love it. I love it. You're you're an inspiration, Gary, and very very prolific, and certainly a nugget for everyone to uh, to chew on, uh, depending on the yeah. For every role I can I can imagine, and every position and, and level, so let's um. I, I guess your your books, um, are those an inspiration? Well, how, how do the books fit into thought leadership for you? Yeah, uh, let's well, let's tackle that first. You know, it's it, I mean the story how we got started was, you know, it's it's kind of funny because I, I you know I joke about you know, over fish tacos and beer, you come up with great ideas, you know, like here in San Diego. And honestly, that's how it happened. I mean, I met with my two co-authors. We were at a startup event. There's a large cybersecurity community here in San Diego, a lot of startups. And so we're at a startup event. Um, and at that time, I was writing cybersecurity articles and explaining how to do different things and how to be a CISO and stuff. And it was for veterans. You know, I was working for fellow veterans and trying to help many of them transition and come into the cybersecurity you know, field. And um, and it just happened to be Matt Stamper was like, why don't you write a book? And I was like, no, that's too much work. I don't want to write a book. You know, and then Bill Bonney was like, well, why don't we write a book? And it was just kind of a, you know, the three of us uh, over, you know, some great fish tacos were like, hey, that's, you know, and we started kicking the idea around. Um, because we all wanted to do something, you know, um, to be able to not just give back to the community, but we we were intrigued at the whole process of how you would actually write and what you would do, um, you know, because we've got friends of ours that have written books. And, you know, so we were we were intrigued and we decided to take it to the next level. You know, not only did we decide to write a book, we actually stood up a publishing house on, you know, the Kindle desktop platform, you know, and actually, you know, went through the whole thing with lawyers and, you know, and uh, and it was admitted it was cool. Now we're we're actually publishing other authors besides ourselves, and we've got quite a lot of books now that are published. You know, in the uh, in the, what we call the the CISO DRG publishing, or you know, 
CISO desktop, you know, or, you know, publishing. Um, but you know, from a thought leadership perspective, you know, what what I find intriguing about it now is we've been writing books since 2015, and the books pop up all over the place. We've had it in multiple languages and roughly about 35 different countries now, um, where the you know the books are being published, and. I get people from all over the world who come up to me at Black Hat or RSA at different conferences and they shake my hand or they talk to me and they've used my book to help them for, you know, the new job that they've got. Or they use, you know, you know one of our books to, you know, uh, prep them for some big projects that they were doing or reporting to the board for the first time. Or, hey, they were looking at doing cyber insurance and we had a whole chapter on breaking down all the different things that you need to know. And they were like, you know, I actually got a chance to work with legal and audit while we were looking at cyber insurance. And I understood what they were talking about and could actually provide, you know, information to them. And that's what we wrote it for is we were like, you know, we we wanted to go ahead and start with something that we thought, you know, uh, people would use, you know, practitioners would use. And what's been interesting is, is that um, it's the print and you know, ebook version, and we find people buy both, and we never could figure out why. And this one somebody explained to me, they're like, "Yeah, I buy the print version because I like to take notes and I keep it with me. It's on the bookshelf, but then I buy the ebook version because I have that on my iPad. So when I'm on travel and I need to look up something, I pull it out and I look it up. And yeah, it's been uh, it's been really cool. I mean, you know, just the people I've met just from writing the books has been um, you know has been probably one of the best things you know I could have ever done you know professionally. I love it. If my memory serves me, which it very rarely does, I think it was Helen Patton, who I'm sure you know. Yep. Um, I believe she wrote a book and she said it, the book was a way to scale sharing some of the knowledge and experience that she's had. Um, it's one thing to, to get on stage and have a talk and, and connect with a certain group of people, but if you can get a book out there and in the hands of people not in the role yet, smack dab in the middle of the role looking to move on and train the next generation yep. on that role it's a great way to kind of scale that and and connect with a larger larger group and so uh yeah huge congrats to you and and the, and the crew for, for the publications and the platform and, and everything you're doing there i presume the articles you write are on your own which are different than the collaborative nature mm -hmm. of writing one or more of the books, does that process change how you approach what you're sharing? Obviously, an article is yeah. a smaller bite-sized piece compared to a book, but uh, how, how, does, how does working solo compare to working in a group? You know, it's, well, like when we work in a group in a team and, and we're writing a book and, it, and it's a project, you know, it's interesting because we mind map out the chapters. We'll mind map out the chapters. We know what subject each chapter is going to be. We know what questions we're trying to answer to each chapter. And then we hold each other accountable. And then we got a process that we follow as we work on each chapter and we go through it and we check back and forth with each other, you know, um, every couple of weeks, you know, you know, progress wise. And, um, and my whole methodology, like when I'm into it and I'm writing a book, I, um, I typically write an hour a day. You know, I'll have it mind mapped out. I'll have pulled my research together. I'll already pretty much have a skeleton way of, you know, I've already jotted down kind of how the, you know, the chapter is going to flow the way I'm thinking of it. Um, 
but I'm very disciplined that I only do an hour a day. And the reason is, is that, you know, if you just write and write and write every day, you burn yourself out and you get to the point to where you hate doing it and you'll start procrastinating and you never get done. But if you just hold yourself for an hour, you know, and so I usually do my first 10 to 15 minutes of reading what I wrote, you know, before the night before, and then I'll, I may write some more and then I'll find a good stopping point and then I'm done, you know, and, um, and so it's, it's very disciplined like that. Articles, on the other hand, when I'm writing an article, and it's just me. Um, it's, it, it's interesting because I, you know, the, um, one of the articles I just recently published on LinkedIn was about, you know, developing your thought leadership. And I talk about my process. You know, I, you know, I basically built out this matrix, kind of like a spreadsheet where I track just ideas, you know, ideas and things that I know very well you know, um, or things that I think would be really interesting to write about. And, um, you know, and I put all these ideas together and, um, and then I actually carry that list, um, you know, on my various laptops and on my phone with me and I'm constantly adding to it or taking things off of it. And, you know, and it helps remind me of stuff that I want to write about. And then, you know, when I decide to go ahead and select something, you know, on that list, you know, I set up a folder, I'll start collecting, you know, articles and different things, you know, to kind of just to refresh my memory on it and also kind of help develop the way I'm looking at it, you know, because you have a voice, you have a way that you talk about things. And I typically don't talk at the executive 30,000 foot level. I'm usually at the below 10,000 foot. I'm at usually at the practitioner level. You know, um, I'm very technical, but also strategic. You know, I can talk about, you know, working with the board and working with peers and the other business units and doing strategy, or I could talk about, okay, this is, you know, about setting up a firewall and doing protocols and, you know, and, and, you know, going through logs and looking for, you know, you know, doing threat intelligence. Um, yeah. So talk and, to me yeah. about the, talk to me about the matrix. Cause I, yeah, I, I, so, like, I just started, uh, I've written tons of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Publications for vendors, white paper, what name I, it. And what we and what you basically do is, I mean, I made the matrix, you know, I made okay. this list, and then you grade it. So each entry that you put is in it there, just the list grade. though, or are there columns of attributes that you also? Well, there, well, there's like columns, you know, and and each column is like a, a different level, you know, like if it's a uh, if it's a level one, it's something that I'm kind of interested in. Um, I'm not comfortable with it yet because I don't know enough, and I need to do some more research. If you know, I grade it one through five. If it's a if it's a five, you know, if I grade it as a five, you know, and I'm filling in column number five, I can speak about it for hours. I'm very comfortable with the subject. I don't mind doing a keynote on it or you know, going ahead and and writing an article or helping you know, you know what I'm saying? So it's one through there, one through five. And then what I do is um, and three being kind of in the middle where I know enough about it, I can speak intelligently about it. Um, I know some research that I could pull down for it real quick, um, but I probably need to update myself on it just because of what's current. Um, so anything that's three to five range, after I've gone ahead and I've go through my whole list and I grade it, and and the and the grades will change over time. But anything that's between three to five is what I focus on, you know. So I may have the full list, and then the next tab is the three to five, you know. And then from the three to five, I go ahead and you know a lot of times I'll you know, low hanging fruit, I'll look at the fives that I can quickly go ahead and talk about and, um, 
you know, that I've, you know, that I've got research on or, or that I, you know, I know is current and I know friends like, you know, Chris Roberts and, you know, people, you know, or Alan Alford, you know, people that are, that are doing stuff already. I can just talk to them real quick, you know, and, and I, I'll write, you know, and I'll go ahead and I'll talk about it. But, you know, you kind of build this matrix and, and, you know, the big thing is that you're continually looking at it, you know, and then I carry an app on my phone where I'm constantly, I'll take notes or I'll take different ideas that'll come up in my head, you know, that I'll add to the list. Or there'll be times where I'm like, you know, hey, this subject was pretty cool, but, you know, it's, it's been superseded by other things. And I don't think I could, I don't think I could really do well talking about that and I'll remove it from the list. But what it does is it builds you a, you know, a place where you can kind of concentrate your thoughts. And so that you can think about which things you feel you would be comfortable writing and speaking about, you know, and then with that, you can start doing research. You can start collecting things and start putting together, you know, an article or, you know, start putting together a, you know, a slide deck or a speech. Yeah. Does it have to be so level of comfort for sure, level of interest for sure? Does, does it have to bubble up to the level of passion or can something else draw it from the list and say, this is just such a hot topic or I've heard this 10 times in the last five meetings. I yeah, need to write about this now, even though I'm, I'm not really passionate, but it's an important yeah, I actually will flag those that I'm passionate about because I find sometimes you can be very passionate talking about something and people will overlook the fact that you don't know as much, enough, <laughs> but yeah, which is kind of funny. I think that's all of my stuff. <laughs> you know, but, um, but, but I mean, I, I do think you have to have some level of passion. Just talking about something because everybody else is talking about it, you're just squawking. You, you got to do something that, you know, you like, that you, that you enjoy, that, you know, you know what I'm saying? That, that, that that's part of you. I mean, for me, when I write, and I create something and I'm putting it in the community, I'm doing it because I like doing this and I want to help, you know, and, you know, you know, uh, Rick McElroy and I had, um, you know, I think the last time we, we actually all got together was in 2019 at RSA when we did that whole speech about, you know, why the CISO role sucked and what you needed to do to fix it and stuff like that. But one of the things that we had talked about was leaving a legacy of writing and speaking and doing things with a passion, with a purpose, you know, for the community that go ahead and bring people up, that go ahead and help it grow. And, and I mean, you could do stuff without a passion, but why? I mean, life is so short. I'd rather do it because it's something I love doing, you know, and I, I you know, there's a purpose behind it. And I, I feel that the, the other side of the coin, the recipient of, of the, the outcomes of that work uh, benefit better. Uh, yeah. I, I think they'll, well, I think they'll recognize and, and feel that you live through something or you experience something or you have a view, a particular position or view on something that really comes through that they can then resonate with. Right? Yeah. And I think that's the big thing is that when you write something, you really want them to be able to have the context of how it fits within their story, within the path that they're on, so that they can, you know, be better and, and do something with it and, and help them, you know, and that's, it's something that really drives me. Let's talk a bit about that. So uh, finding a way to actually express, so taking it from the list <laughs> and expressing your views in a way that, that fulfills your, your desire to share, but then also fulfills the, the recipients or the reader's desire to yeah. learn. 
uh, talk us through to that. Well, I mean, you know, and some of the things I, you know, I, I talk about is, you know, you create your matrix or your list, you go ahead and you grade it, you balance out those areas that you think you're going to be good, that, that you feel comfortable with writing or speaking about. Now, to speak, if you've never really gone ahead and been in front of people and talked with people and stuff like that, what I recommend, honestly, um, you know, for me starting out was um, I did a lot of stuff for ISSA and ISACA and a lot of the local, you know, chapters, you know, in my area. You know, you know a lot of the people, you're comfortable with them, you can talk about a subject, you can test out, you know, a PowerPoint or, you know, basically you can test out a slide deck and a speech that, you know, subject that you want to talk about and take their feedback and everything. And once you're comfortable, make the tweak, make the adjustments, and then try to move up, you know, and go to, you know, maybe you're going to do B-sides or maybe you want to apply for Black Hat or RSA or there's so many different conferences now that you can go ahead and apply for. You know, so I you know, typically talk about keeping it small, keeping local chapters first, kind of developing your style, you know, developing your slide deck, developing your topic, feel comfortable with it, and then start applying for different conferences to go ahead and get, and get a chance to talk. Um, and you'd be surprised, you know, um, there's a lot of times they're looking for people you know, um, who are unknown or who are coming in with, you know, new topics. And, you know, so it, that was the way I did it was I kind of started that way. And then I grew into that. And I found it was very effective, you know, and I've now spoken to a group of like 10 people and I've been in, you know, Beijing talking to a room of 10,000 and they were streaming it to another 2 million, you know, you, so I've had all kinds of stuff, you know, so I mean, it just, uh, it just depends on the writing side. You know, um, I think on, on the writing side, you've got so many different options now because, I mean, you can write about something and just publish it on LinkedIn and just ask for feedback, you know, and make sure to share it within the groups that you're in and stuff like that and just ask for feedback. You can decide to just go ahead and set up your own page up on Medium or, you know, a lot of you know blog sites like that and just start, you know, posting there, you know, and reach out to your friends, say, hey, read this, let me know what you think, you know, can you share it? Um, you know, I've done both of those, you know, I've, I've used both platforms. Um, you know, there's people that like to go ahead and write stuff and then they share it on Twitter or X or whatever the hell Elon's calling it today, you know, or they go ahead and, um, they get in the podcast like yourself. The number of cyber podcasts, I think is like increased 300% over the last five years, you know, just people want to be able to talk about, you know, different subjects. You know, my thing is that there's so many different mediums out there that are available now. You know, you can start with something small and then go ahead and jump from that. I mean, I started writing and and started publishing it, um, you know, on LinkedIn and started putting it up on Medium. And then I started publishing on Forbes and, you know, and I've submitted stuff to the Wall Street Journal and to other, you know, uh, magazines and stuff like that as well. You know, so, I mean, it's you start small, you start growing, you ask for feedback, you adjust. You know, and again, that passion, that knowledge, you keep educating yourself. And that, and that's another thing I explain to people is that once you create your matrix and you got your subjects and you're starting to write and starting to speak about it, it's a continuous process. It's a continuous process of adding things to it. It's a continuous process of educating yourself on those that you were speaking about and creating content on. It's a continuous process of looking for places and platforms to share, you know, um, you know, to grow your audience, to grow, you know, people that follow you to just for me to go ahead and, you know, push it out there and help people. And what you'll find is um, a lot of people will just set up their own personal website 
and put links to all of their stuff. Or they may go ahead and use something like Medium or one of these other different you know sites as their core area where they post everything. And then they just share off of that site to LinkedIn or they share off of that site to Facebook or Twitter or wherever they're, wherever they're sharing to. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the way I kind of look at it is you start small, start with you know your community you know the core group of people that you work with that you associate with that you're you know you go to conferences you do things with have them read your content take their feedback you know and then adjust accordingly so thought leadership has the word leader in it do you, i'm gonna say a few things here so follow me i like to do this um to be a thought leader doesn't mean you have to be a leader. You don't have to be in an executive level yeah. role or even leading a team. It just it can be that you're aware of, of certain things and passionate about certain things and you want to share your thoughts on them. Yeah. Or even just share that you might have un, un, uh, unanswered questions about a topic and you're seeking advice. So I guess the first point I want to make and I want to get your thoughts on all this as I string them together is the, the idea of what what is a thought leader and then in your your linkedin article which was the inspiration for this chat by the way um you talk about qualities of thought leadership um yeah. so maybe you can kind of connect those two what 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 does one need to be what qualities do they or should they possess to begin sharing thought leadership in whatever form we i think we spent a lot of time on writing but it could be a, a presentation it could be a webinar it could be a speech at a at a conference, whatever it might be. Yeah, I need to look at my article now just to remember what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess for me, it yeah, is funny, so, It says passionate <laughs> as, as I relook at it myself. <laughs> you know, and the thing is, is that it, I don't really look at it as leadership, as more mentorship, really, is what it is. You know, because um, there are people that use this and they turn this into a different career. You know, and, and they turn this into, you know, hey, I'm going to quit being a system and instead I'm going to do this. And I have a passion for this. And I like helping people and they turn it into their second job. And I don't, you know, there's, if people are able to do that, I don't have a problem with that because, you know, they're, you know, they're helping the community and they're, they're doing something that they love and they're not hurting anybody. I mean, they're, you know, you know, I think it's really cool that people who've been able to do that. Um, I still like being a practitioner and working in the community and, and working with my teams and stuff. But, you know, I look at the fact that it's, you know, thought leadership is more like thought mentorship. In a way, or subject mentorship, or you know, um, you know, kind of like a um, a servant leader or a mentor, and you know, some of the qualities I look at is, is, like I said, was that you know, one of the things I talk about is you need to have a passion about the subject, and you know, you need to have humility because you're never really going to know everything, and there are times when you're going to make mistakes. There are times where other people are going to have opposing opinions, and you can still learn from it. You know, I've had times before where I've had people when I asked. You know, when they comment and they respond to my uh, my articles and my content that I have on LinkedIn and everything, I'll tell them, you know, I, you know, I, I beg to differ. I look at it this way. I get which way you're coming from and da 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 but I still look at it this way, you know, and I honestly think that, you know, you know and you know what I'm saying, but you have to be humble, be willing to listen to other people um, and learn and continuously learn and grow as a person. You know, uh, so even if you are like myself, I'm, I'm hitting 200,000 followers on LinkedIn. To me, that is, that is a blessing. It's been amazing. You know, the people that I've met and how this has happened, you know, over the last you know 15 years. Um, 
And there isn't a day that I don't think that, you know, I'm blessed to have that and that people, you know, read what I, my content and I mentor and I talk with people out of the blue and, you know, and I help startups and I work with companies and I serve on boards, you know, and everything. And much of that is tied into writing and speaking and being active in the community, you know, and, and, you know, and, and so for me, the, the thought leadership piece, I guess, is that, you know, don't look at it as, you know, I'm going to go ahead and be this and people are going to listen to me. No, think about it is I've got something to talk about. I like this subject really well. And I think the content or what I'm able to put together is going to help people or it's going to provide more input, you know, to the subject within our community to help the community as a whole. And that's really what it should be. You know, and now if you, you know, get hired into a new job because of, you know, the, the thought mentorship that you put together, more power to you. Awesome. You know, if you, um, if you, it turns into another new revenue stream, you know, for, and your husband and wife are stoked that you're bringing in extra money. Hey, more, again, more power to you. I'm, I'm not barking about that at all. You know, my thing though, is that you should be again, it's to me, it's a, it's, it's a mentorship thing. You know, how are you making the community better? How are you helping people? And hopefully in the process, you are also helping yourself. Yeah. And I was just going to make that point for me. It's often, I'm also learning in the process of, of, uh, putting my own thoughts together, either to your point, going off and researching something I wasn't quite familiar with or didn't know enough about. And even more importantly, if somebody does engage and, and shares their, their own thoughts on what you wrote or what you shared, different perspective, different detail, different fact, perhaps even, um, it's all, it's all a circle of, of benefit. And I wanted to um, talk to you a bit about kind of the, the, the concept of broad strokes versus specialization. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's another uh, point you make in your, in your article. Do you have any thoughts on, maybe it's just driven by different people and what they're trying to accomplish, but is it, is it better to specialize or better to have a broad stroke, master of all trades, jack of, uh, jack of all trades, yeah. master of none? <laughs> What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Well, I mean, you know, and it's, you know, and obviously I'm speaking about cyber, you know, perspective. I'm not speaking about, you know, other things. Um, I find that it's good to be specialized starting out because those were core things that you probably know really well that can get you started. You learn your voice, you learn the process, you start meeting people and you start growing you know, within the community. And then you can broaden out and talk about, you know, more things. If you start out, you know, with a very wide, you know, and cyber is freaking huge, you know, for, from a domain perspective and all the different things that are inside cyber and that are, are being added to cyber, you know, today, it's almost impossible starting out to write about all the stuff in cyber. You know, um, in fact, it's quite overwhelming. And I've had people tell me that. And I, and I told them, I said, you know, hey, just narrow the aperture. Focus on something right now in front of you that you know that you currently do right now that you could talk to your husband or your wife or your kids about and you feel comfortable about it focus on that and just grow with that you know and then get comfortable with that grow with that and then add something else and add something else you know and before you know it you've got quite a large group of subjects and things that you're talking about you know and you you're building a following and you're building you know content but you know it's okay to start small 
And I, and I explain that to people, you know, not just in, in cyber. I mean, maybe you're in talking about IT or maybe you're talking about robotics or stuff like that. It's good to go ahead and start small and get your feet wet and get started, you know, and kind of develop, you know, and you may get into it and realize, eh, you know, I really like talking about this over here. I'm going to go talk about gaming. You know, I'm all into, you know, I, you know, I play Daisy and World of Warcraft and blah, blah, blah. I want to go talk about that, you know, and, uh, and then maybe I'll, you know, every once in a while I'll talk about security or, you know, factor something else in there. But, you know, I want to talk about gaming. You know, you start in one area, gets, you know, kind of small, build it up, get comfortable with it. And then you start thinking, you know, with that matrix that you've built, what else do I want to add? What else do I want to add? You know, is the way I kind of look at it. I was, I was actually going to ask if you had any advice for, for people getting started. Do you remember what your first share was? Was it written? Was it at a small conference? Do you remember? Um, it was actually written, and the article was, So You Want to Be a CISO. And it was actually um, it was actually a joke, you know, um, and... Um, you know, talking with Rick Howard and a bunch of people. And it was like, yeah, and it was kind of a joke. We got to talking, um, and this was back in 2013, 2012, 2013 timeframe. Um, and, and, you know, and, and basically what it comes down to is, you know, some people were talking about the CISO role. It was starting to pop up more. More people were, you know, getting involved in it. And there was chatter that was going on about it. RSA was just starting to talk about it. And so I wrote this article about, so you want to be a CISO. I broke it down in the five domains and kind of walked you, walked you through. Um, if you're accepting your first CISO job, here's how to do it. You know, and here's, you know, kind of the five domains or core areas you need to think about. I built the whole mind map on it and kind of broke it down. That got me invited to RSA, the share of sta stage with Rick and a couple of people. And we, um, we presented, you know, and there was probably like, Three or four thousand people in in the room, you know, and it was fun. I mean, you know, and, and that's where I got bit by the bug, and I was like, "Woohoo, this is cool," you know. And um, but that was the first one, you know. And and honestly, the um, and that article when I first wrote it, it was actually for um, the Department of Defense. It was for you know people in the, in the military and people that were you know transitioning and coming into the civilian community. And I was talking about the CISO role. And, you know, and I basically broadened, again, started small, and I started broadening, started looking at private industry. And then I took that article down, and each of those five subjects became a whole separate article in itself, where I explored that section of the mind map and broke through all the different things. And then that article eventually became the 30, 60, 90 day plan, which is another article that I got a set of mind map for. But it was, that's what I'm saying is that, um, but that was the first one. Yeah, and it was something that I knew very well. I was in my third role as a CISO. I could speak about it. You know, I'd been already, um, and I'd been a CIO twice as well. And so I, you know, walked through what it's like to go ahead and and get started in something I could easily speak about in my sleep. I kept it small, just focused on that area, and then later branched out. I love it. I love it. Well, I've written... Uh a ton for SC magazine and dark reading and CIO CSO magazines in the past, looking at market trends and tech trends and all kinds of things. And, but my first article for me <laughs> was not cyber funny enough. And it was all about uh, looking at the world of 
of virtual reality and and the, this philosophical idea that the true reality would become more sought after yeah. in the virtual world that that uh, I feel we're going to end up in that's going to be yeah. a common denominator world that's going to be boring. <laughs> I, well, I digress, and, but anyways, that that was my first real article. But yeah, I mean, you know, and and it's interesting. You you have articles that are kind of like almost opposite of what you do or what you work that do really well. I mean, I will I wrote one on on recruiting, and it was just a rant about how the whole recruiting process was screwed up. And when I posted it on LinkedIn, it exploded, you know, to the point to where I had to go ahead and shut down comments because I had like almost 2 million people over, you know, a month period had jumped on that thing. And it was just cruel, like I'd say 90, 95% negative. People were not happy with the whole recruiting process. You know, and this was back in like 2018, 2019. You know, uh, I don't think it's gotten any better since then, you know, but it was just like, uh, you know, and it was something totally outside of what I normally talk about, you know, in cyber. And I have found some skills talking about soft skills, just talking about things that you need to do, you know, how to be able to work with people and how to be able to, or how to troubleshoot and solve problems. Not technical at all, you know, but it's more of how you just, you know, uh, you know, work with other carbon-based life forms. And it's, I find some of those articles actually work really well. You know, because people are always trying to figure out where do I fit? How can I do good? How do I how do I work with this person? How do I solve this problem? Yeah, yeah. I, th I think as humans, we're hungry for a lot of things, not just technology. Certainly, as cyber professionals, we like the tech. Oh yeah. Um, and some of us, like me, I like the process. <laughs> but but ultimately, we're humans. We have to work with each other, and and so understanding that too, and how we mm -hmm. tick and how we stay safe and healthy. I know we've, we've talked about that and Rick's talked about that a lot as well. Oh, yeah. um, so huge part of it. So uh, yeah, I'm glad to hear that you enjoy, enjoy those concepts too, those topics. So uh, Gary, um, fabulous chatting with you. I have tons of things on my mind. I think directions we could go, but I think we'll, we'll leave it here. I'm going to link to your article okay. on LinkedIn. That, that was the inspiration for this. So. So people can can read through that and and pick up more nuggets from that particular piece. And of course, I would encourage everybody to let's let's boost it up above two hundred thousand. I'm honored to be one of those, by the way. But uh, more people follow you and 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 engage with your uh, content there. That would be fantastic. And if they get a chance to visit you at a conference, that's a that's a treat as well. So hopefully. Hopefully folks get to do that. And hopefully I get to see it at one soon. <laughs> yeah, we definitely need to be able to get together and talk more. You know, I'm I'm gonna go very right back to the beginning, fish tacos and beer. That, oh know, yeah, I was I was set right then. I've had I've had them in San Diego and Newport and Laguna, and yeah, productivity is soars when you have fish tacos and beer. That's for sure. Oh yeah, definitely come up with a lot of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, Gary. Well, thanks a million for uh, for joining me again. I'm, I'm thrilled to to have you back on the show, and thanks everybody for listening and watching and and. Uh, Hopefully you enjoy this conversation and, and everything that Gary does. And of course, uh, please share, subscribe and, and do so for Gary. And uh, stay tuned for more in here on Redefining Cybersecurity on ITSP Magazine. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Pentera, the leader in automation security validation, allows organizations to continuously test the integrity of all cybersecurity layers 
by emulating real-world attacks at scale to pinpoint the exploitable vulnerabilities and prioritize remediation towards business impact. Learn more at Pentera.io. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Cybersecurity with Sean Martin, part of the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share this show and itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to connect your brand with our conversations, you can sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. 